0: Hello, and welcome to Belief, where we take a closer look at the beliefs that form the way we see the world. My name is Ben Lindzel, and thank you for tuning into another episode. So today's episode is going to be a bit more of a fun one for me, and I encourage you to have some fun with it it as well. All my life, I've been fascinated with space, weird things in space like quasars and dark matter, huge things in space like red supergiants and supermassive black holes, laws of gravity and relativity, grand theories of origin and destiny. Did you know that other galaxies were only discovered in the 1920s? Less than a hundred years ago, astronomers thought that all of space was confined to the Milky Way. Really, if I could pick a field of discipline without regard to making a decent living, I would probably study cosmology or astrophysics. And part of what makes cosmology cool is that it bleeds over into philosophy, and so that has interesting implications when science and faith overlap. But this can cause a lot of frustration and tension between theists and atheists There are endless hours of debate about theories surrounding the Big Bang, evolution, ancient floods, stuff like that. And historically, there have always been these sorts of fights. Perhaps most famously, when Galileo came up with our heliocentric model for our solar system. He was opposed by the Catholic Church, because this new model was incompatible with their interpretation of certain scriptures. The papal decree read... The proposition that the sun is the center of the world and does not move from its place is absurd and false philosophically and formally heretical because it is expressly contrary to Holy Scripture. And Protestant heroes Martin Luther and John Calvin also viciously attacked this idea of the earth going around the sun because it broke their interpretation of certain passages in the Bible. Now, I think there are modern parallels to this. I'm going to point out some areas where I think traditional Christian beliefs fall short. And likewise, I'm going to point out some areas where I believe atheistic theories break down. So don't worry. I'll make sure to offend everyone by the end of this. First, let's tackle Young Earth Creationism. So Young Earth Creationism says that God created the heavens and the earth in six 24-hour days. This is based on a literal interpretation of Genesis 1. It also says that the earth and the rest of the universe are about 6,000 to 10,000 years old, based on genealogies in the Bible beginning with Adam. There are a few problems with interpreting Genesis 1 literally like this as a historical narrative. Number one, the universe looks very old. Very old. Now, God could have created things with the appearance of age, but... Consider the distant starlight problem. A supernova that we observe from a billion light years away would either had to have happened a billion years ago in order for the light to travel that distance, or it must be an illusion from light that has only traveled for a few thousand years, showing an event that never happened. Many solutions to this problem require kind of wacky physics like the idea that the speed of light may be different in different directions or has changed over time. There's one interesting theory that God messed with the fabric of space-time and used huge, huge masses of water to achieve a sort of timeless effect through gigantic time dilation, but it is quite literally a stretch. Number two, which is the biggest one, is that nobody reads the whole Bible literally. Even if they say they do, they make accepted scientific understandings fit in with what they read. Stay with me here. Ancient Near Eastern cosmology held to a general formula of a heavenly world for the gods, an earthly realm for humans, and an underworld for the dead. They believed in a physical barrier between the earth and the heavens, and that the earth rested on unmovable pillars or foundations with the underworld physically beneath. They didn't have a concept of a spherical earth that revolves around the sun. And it's clear when reading the Bible that God didn't think it was important to correct these misconceptions. The Bible repeatedly mentions phrases like the foundations of the world, corners of the world. There are many similar expressions. And when you read about the sun rising or setting, understand that in ancient contexts, people really thought it was moving while the earth stood still. You just interpret that differently based on newer scientific evidence. It was the same thing in Galileo's time. So biblical interpretations at the time were based on scientific theories that were inaccurate. Could it be the case that today we still don't have a fully accurate understanding? Maybe Christians are tying themselves in knots to avoid scientific conclusions that are fully compatible with the Bible and turning away many people in the process. Now don't think I'm taking sides in a battle between two incompatible camps of thought because I don't think the atheistic theories hold water either where it concerns the point of origin for the universe or life in it. Earlier I mentioned that cosmology has aspects of philosophy tied to it. And I think the simplest example of this is the problem of causality. Assuming the Big Bang model is correct, what triggered that event? I know there are theories surrounding the Big Bang specifically, like, was the Big Bang the first Big Bang, or was it the result of a prior collapsing universe? Does time even make sense in a singularity? But all the theories eventually boil down to a big fat question mark, because You can put that mechanism in a black box and you still end up with two options, no matter how many rhetorical devices you use. One, everything came from nothing, or two, everything came from something uncaused or self-caused. It doesn't really matter how many steps you add in between. There's this huge philosophical, metaphysical question hanging over our heads, and I'm not willing to ignore it. I guess it's fine to adopt an agnostic view if you don't have a reliable metaphysical belief system, but that's not enough for me. I think this question demands an answer, and I think the answer is that the universe came from something eternal and uncaused. Now this next problem, I think, also has unsatisfying answers from a naturalistic perspective, especially where it intersects with the problem of causality. And this is the observation that the universe appears to be finely tuned. What that means is, there are mathematical constraints on natural constants which make the universe we live in highly unlikely if these values were set randomly. For example, if the force of gravity were weaker, stars and planets could not form. Too strong and stars would burn up too quickly and the universe becomes dominated by black holes. If strong nuclear forces were weaker, heavier elements couldn't form And we wouldn't have some of the building blocks for life. The cosmological constant, which governs the rate of expansion of the universe. If the universe expands too quickly, matter doesn't have a chance to form into galaxies. Too slowly, and the universe collapses on itself. There are many examples, but what makes the argument from fine-tuning so compelling is that each of these constants has a pretty tiny range of values in order for life to be possible in our universe, or even the natural beauty and complexity of how we see matter and energy forming things like stars, galaxies, planets, and the improbability compounds when you consider these narrow ranges together. Sure, you could argue that life is improbable and beauty optional and we only observe this reality because life already exists the universe isn't obligated to host conditions for life from a naturalistic perspective but really that's just a fancy way of saying we got lucky but there's no reason why the universe rolled a handful of dice each one with a billion sides and they all happened to land on a one This is such a problem that it seems the only plausible explanation is to multiply the number of dice rolls artificially, which brings me to multiverse theory. There are multiple versions of multiverse theory, but they generally present the theory that our universe is not the only one that exists. There are multiple or infinite parallel universes that exist simultaneously. Brian Greene has some examples that are fun to think about. But what makes multiverse theory so controversial is that it mostly amounts to a philosophical answer to a mathematical problem. I would call it a a science of the gaps. Mathematics professor George Ellis wrote on multiverse theory. In looking at this concept, we need an open mind, though not too open. It is a delicate path to tread. Parallel universes may or may not exist. The case is unproved. We are going to have to live with that uncertainty. Nothing is wrong with scientifically based philosophical speculation, which is what Multiverse proposals are, but we should name it for what it is. Paul Davies in his op-ed for the New York Times said, Invoking an infinity of unseen universes to explain the unusual features of the one we do see is just as ad hoc as invoking an unseen creator. The multiverse theory may be dressed up in scientific language, but in essence, it requires the same leap of faith. I think I have the same view of multiverse theory that many atheists have about God. My belief system doesn't require it, so I'm not attached to it as a way to explain reality. I can have the luxury of ignoring what I believe to be a fantastical idea. I feel the same way about theories of abiogenesis, life gradually arising from inorganic material it's just too big a statistical leap for me to seriously consider so with these conclusions what's the takeaway nobody has the time intelligence or mental energy to fully and deeply investigate and understand every possible explanation for how we came to exist and what if any is our purpose And there's a lot of bad faith on every side, presenting the least charitable version of their opponent's belief system. I think this is why agnosticism is so popular, because it doesn't require you to join a particular faction and fight in their war. But at the end of the day, you'll still have these unanswered questions about the nature of reality and your purpose. So here's what I believe. Number one. Our universe, with its precise initial conditions and fundamental laws of nature, was created by an eternal, timeless, ultimately powerful, intelligent being. Number two, the mechanism of creation was the Big Bang, a model which is supported by mountains of evidence, in my opinion. Number three. For reasons that I'll outline in another episode, the being that created everything is the God of the Bible, who has a purpose for and relationship with humanity. Number four, scripture is fully compatible with the scientific understanding of an ancient universe. Number five, this is kind of a bonus one theists and atheists are unnecessarily hostile toward each other where it concerns creation each with their own blind spots. So I guess I guess I fit into the label of an old earth creationist. And you can agree with me or not. What keeps it fun and interesting for me is knowing that my faith doesn't hinge on my particular interpretation of Genesis. It doesn't change my understanding of Jesus one bit. So to the young earth creationists out there, don't ignore the beauty of what the universe tells us about God, by just ascribing it to miraculous shortcuts, you can appreciate theories of planetary, stellar, and galactic formation like you would the life cycle of a tree, regardless of whether or not you believe it was created fully grown. And don't be afraid of where the evidence might lead. Your God is bigger than that. And to the atheist listening, I would also say, Don't reduce reality to what you can see through a microscope or a telescope. There are metaphysical realities which demand an explanation. And don't be afraid of where the evidence might lead. In the words of Albert Einstein, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. And as it says in the Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. Thank you again for listening.